If you have your Bibles, however you get your Bible, whether it's on an electronic device or uh, from a book, or there's one in the pew in front of you, open kind of to the beginning again. We're kind of in our, in our place. We're in Genesis 2. So you just get to the very beginning and get to Genesis 2. We're going to read 5 through 9 and 15 through 25. Now, um, I don't have a page for the Pew Bible. If someone will shout it out once you've got it, it would be great. Genesis chapter 2 and the Pew Bible. Page 2. What's that? Page 2. That makes it easy. Second chapter, page 2. All right? Uh, now, you can read along with me. But I want you to know I did a little bit of my own translating from the Hebrew, okay? So what I read is going to be just a little bit different than what you're reading on the page. Uh, because I want us to catch the nuance of the Hebrew language uh, as we go through this. So I'm going to read. It's not going to change a ton, but it is going to make a few significant, I think, changes that will seem small at first, but, but we'll get there, okay? So here we go. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 5 through 9 and 15 through 25. Now no shrub had appeared, had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For Yahweh Elohim, God, had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then Yahweh God formed a human from the dust of the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life and the human being became a living soul now yahweh had planted a garden in the east in eden and there he put the human that god had formed yahweh elohim made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Yahweh took the human and put it in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And Yahweh God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Yahweh God said, It is not good for the human to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for it. Now Yahweh had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the human to see what he would name them. And whatever the human being, human called each living creature, that was its name. So the human gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But for the human, no suitable helper was found. So Yahweh caused the human to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, Yahweh took one of the human sides and went and then closed up the place with flesh. Then Yahweh made a woman from the side he had taken out of the human and God brought her to the human. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his woman, and they become one flesh. And the man and the woman were both naked, and yet 
They felt no shame. Let's pray. Father, pray that you would take this ancient, ancient story and help us to hear the good news of what you call us to be and to do in the world. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. So, um, I'm always amazed when um, I see kids swimming for any length of time. Um, they usually wind up playing this game. And it's the game of who can hold your breath the longest underwater. Okay, most days I go swimming with Jackson to help him burn some energy for school. And every now and then he'll want to play this game. And, and so he'll, he'll say, da, you know, he'll either do, I bet I can hold my breath longer than you can hold your breath. And I'll say, okay, let's go for it, son. And we'll go under and we kind of look like this little girl on, on this side here. You know, she's just trying to keep herself underwater. Jackson will try and keep himself down and underwater and he's holding his breath. And after a few seconds, he'll come up. Oh, did I beat you that time? No, I'm, uh, no, I'm afraid you didn't. Sometimes I'll let him win. I haven't told him that my lungs are bigger than his little lungs, and that's kind of just what, what happens. And so we have fun like this. And, and sometimes, but sometimes there's another way that the game works, and he'll just want me to count. See how long I can stay underwater, da. And he'll go underwater, and he'll be wrestling around, and he'll be wanting to, you know, just trying to stay under, try and keep his head under. And then all of a sudden, after about 15 to 17 seconds, he'll reach and he'll you know, take in that chlorinated YMCA pool air. And, uh, and, and then the question, how long did I go, da? And I'll say, well, but, you know, we started out, it's pretty, pretty awesome, you know. Started out with 13, 14 seconds. Now we're 17 to 20 seconds. He's doing good, but, but it's always this thing. And, and it struck me as kind of funny. I mean, it's cute, it's fun, there's nothing wrong with it. But it, it, it always struck me funny that we would make a game out of depriving ourselves of the things that we absolutely need to live. Maybe that's, that's human. Because we do that, don't we? I do that. I, I think, you know, in, in some ways that proverbial, okay, I'm going to pastor the church and I run over to the, to the church pool and I jump in and... <gasps> And down I go and I, and I, and I get ready and I study and I can preach and I can pray and I can be with people and I can counsel and I can run to that meeting and the board meeting and the stewards meeting and the daycare board meeting and the camp board meeting and this and that and, and, and you can wind up and sometimes it feels like you get to the end of the day and it's like, how'd I do God? Ah, do you do that? I mean, maybe for some of you, it's not it's not church, but it's it's like job and you run over to that pool and you you, you dive in and you, you you take your breath and you plunge under and you you go from this. You answer the calls. You do this. You go try and move up the corporate ladder. You 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 uh, work with this person and you work with that person. You get rid of that person. You do this. You do that. And, and at the end of the day, it's <gasps> how to do God. Or, or maybe you have kids. 
You do this with your own family. You run over to the family pool. You dive in and you, and you take your breath and you go under and you plunge under and you realize you've got to wake up early and you've got to get the breakfast made and you've got to get the, the lunches made and you've got to wake them up and they've got to get in the shower and they've got to get their, their hair done if you have hair like my son does. And, uh, and then you have to get them on the bus and you've got to get them there and you've got to go to your job. And so you jump into the other pool while still holding your breath and you do all your job. And then you jump back into this pool. You pick them up, you feed them, you clothe them, you get them in the bed, you taxi them everywhere. And then at the end of the day, how'd I do God? We do this, don't we? It's just one of those things. Maybe you feel like this guy sometimes. (laughs) Is it Friday yet? Where I can just breathe again. And so I want us to look at this passage. What does this have to do with our passage today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Again, the message behind this passage, again, is not primarily to deal with science. Again, this is to deal with theology. The writers of Genesis wanted us to know something about God and know something about ourselves from this. Again, I love the Church of the Nazarene stance where we we just say, you know, who started it all is more important than how it all got here. And so we hold to that. And so this passage is to teach us something about God and something about ourselves. And the thing that it tells us right off the bat in all this, well, I should say, you know, this is the second creation story, right? I've been around people all my life uh, who have been in church all their life, and they never know there are two different narratives around the creation of all things. So we had our one last week. It was God's cosmic vision. You know, God creates everything. He creates space for life to flourish. And life flourishes, and just over and over and over. And we saw that. This week, it becomes more personal. comes down to the human beings in a garden. And so, we're going to look at this. This is something that God does. And what it is trying to tell us is that you and I were made for some very specific uh, connections. And so, we want to look, I would just want to look at these connections as we move down through. First of all, we are to be intimately connected to the earth. Yahweh forms Adam from the Adamah. We just hinted at that last week. Now, I did put Yahweh in there. Okay, last week, the, the term for God was just El or Elohim. It's kind of the generic God term. As we move into chapter 2, they wanted us to understand very specifically, this is Yahweh Elohim. This is Yahweh, the God that will be revealed to Moses in the bush many, 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 many years from now. But it's this God who is right here at the beginning. And He forms the Adam from the Adamah. That is why throughout my translation I said the human, the human, the human, the human. Because literally we are earthlings. We read in our passage that God took that soil that was, that was moist and He pulled it all together and created a human being. We are literally made out of the earth. We are literally earthlings. Lings, okay? Made from the earth. Our bodies will become earth again at some point. This is just the way of things. We are connected from, to the earth. We come from the earth. We will go back to the earth. This is a beautiful thing. And now, I, I realize as I say stuff like this, 
that some of you will, will probably think I'm, I'm being political. I'm not trying to get you to vote for the Green Party, okay? I'm just trying to be biblical. I'm trying to pull out these connections that we have a deep connection with the earth. And this is an important thing. No matter how you vote, we have a deep connection with this planet that we have been given. Abraham Lincoln, I think, I couldn't find the quote. I know I read it and I thought it was Abraham Lincoln. And then I couldn't find the quote, but I've memorized the quote. Because it says, the further humanity's hands are from the soil, the more insane they become. This was just an observation that somebody put out. That the further we get away from that intimate connection with the soil. In fact, I saw this fascinating study that science did, where they, they found out that actually when we put our hands into soil, when we work just regular earth garden soil, there is a bacteria that is in that soil that is symbiotic and sympathetic with us. And that causes our brains to make endorphins. Those are the good-feeling brain chemicals that help us to feel happy and, and satisfied with life. It's just Isn't that amazing sometimes when science just kind of proves that something that the Bible's trying to say, that there's a deep connection between us as earthlings and this earth that God has given to us as gift. But we are also in this connection called to work, to garden, to farm. Any farmers here or kids of farmers here? I know there's one. All right. You know, this is, this is something we are called to do. And I, I found this interesting in our modern day. The word Eden in Hebrew means luxury. It means luxury. But even in paradise, even in luxury, we are called to work, to be farmers, to be workers, to help what God has given us continue to thrive. Remember last week we talked about the Zellum, and as God is the God who creates space for life to exist, we as His image, we do this as well. We help, we sustain, we do this. We gain our sustenance from the earth. And we have this intimate connection even with the living things. We see that in the passage where we read this strange thing where God brings all the animals and the birds and everything by the human being and He names them. That is a very, very intimate thing in Eastern culture. To give someone a name is to be in lifelong connection with them. And so God says, all the living things that I have created... These are the things that you will be connected with. They will, they will be a part. This is part of what you are to care for. This is beautiful, isn't it? This should make you go home and you'll look at your dog or your cat or whatever. And if you gave them a name, don't you just feel that connection with them? I mean, it's just one of those things. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We are called into this connection. This is part of who we are. But out of that, we are also called into connection with our fellow human beings. So we started with the earth. Now we move on to the other earthlings on the planet. The first thing in the Bible that God said was not good was for the human being to be alone. This still carries on to be true, doesn't it? I mean, this is why if you leave someone in solitary confinement for too long, it is considered cruel and unusual punishment. Because to be alone is not good. And God has decreed that from the very beginning. We need one another. 
They are out of one another, the man and the woman. Now you heard me say human, human, human all the way through because the word man is not used in the Hebrew all the way until we get to verse 23. And that is when the human being declares, she shall be woman. For out of man, that's the first use of the term man, can't have man until there's woman. We are looking at one another. He, he pulls those names just like ours is woman and man. They kind of contain those same words. In the Hebrew, it is ish for man and isha for woman. And it is the ish and the isha, the man and the woman together where all of this is found. So I, I need us to pause here. We're not going to go into depth onto all the issues of male and femaleness. We're not going to go down the path of complementarianism and, you know, all these big funny words. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, good, good. All right. What does suitable helper mean? I think that John Golden Gay gives us a great, great definition of this. John Golden Gay is an Old Testament scholar at Fuller Seminary. He was one of my professors, a beautiful man. When I met him, he was probably in his late 60s. He was still caring for his wife who had MS and he would push her all around Pasadena and he would invite us, invite us as students over for tea and crumpets because yes, he was British. And, uh, and we would interact with, with he and his wife. And he just lived this so faithfully. So I wanted you to hear what he wrote when he said, being a helper does not imply being subordinate. The term suitable points in yet another direction. More literally, it suggests someone who is in front of you or in your sight, face to face. It is not something that makes one subject to the other. Neither has authority over the other. Neither is inherently the leader or the led. The image puts concretely the point made in Genesis 1, that it is men and women together who compromise the representation of God in the world. That's beautiful. If you're, if you're married, you, you ought to take a moment and just look face to face with your spouse. I mean, just this is God creating Ish and Isha together. Now, if you're single, you're not left out. The other human beings in your world. And yes, men and women interacting together and those kind of... It is in those moments that we see this connection of what we are called to be and called to do. Let us look. We see finally in the last, and, and really nowadays we see it quite awkwardly, is the naked and unashamed. They were so connected and so together that they were naked and unashamed. Now, I want us to understand this is not sexual, although I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with the fact that Adam and Eve had sex uh, before the fall and those kinds of things. But... In the Bible, naked is associated with poverty. They have no possessions. They have only their connections. And that is enough. That into any situation, if they have one another, if they are not alone, they are in connection with the earth, they are in connection with one another, and our final connection, which we're going to see in just a second, it is enough. These connections are so vital to who we are. And the other connection is, of course, with Yahweh. The one who has created them. Yahweh in Genesis 1 was El or Elohim. In Genesis 2 it was Yahweh Elohim. We've kind of covered that. But God breathes into the earthling and the human being becomes a living 
soul. That's an important thing for you to know. It becomes a complete human uh, all the way through. It's not just connected to the earth, but it's connected to the earth and it is connected to the One who is giving breath. This is so important. God breathes and we, we become a living soul. And breath, the very breath, cries out God's name. I want you to try something here for just a second. Because this really is a prayer. There are, there are many scholars who believe that the name Yahweh is actually trying to write out what it sounds like when you and I breathe. Like this. Yahweh. Yahweh. Would you try that with me? Just, just one, one or two breaths. That there is such an intimate connection with the God who created everything. That your and my very breath cries out His name. Did you know that you were made for that kind of connection? Did you know that in the worst of times for you, are you breathing? Then you're praying. why we can't just submerge ourselves into the various pools of life and hold our breath and think that we can do this. We have to surface and let our cry ring out. Don't you just feel better by breathing deeply a couple times? It's a wonderful thing. In fact, Someone gave this to me this week, and, and I was reading it. Dr. Craig Keene, he's a Nazarene elder, and he's a professor of philosophy out at uh, Azusa Pacific University. He writes this, In so far as being human is being in the image of God, prayer is not something added to the human being, as if without it the human would remain essentially unchanged. Rather, it is prayer, specifically the prayer called forth by God's breath. That makes us human. This person who gave it to me would say, we are prayer in who we are as we go and we breathe in and out. These are our deep connections. And this breathing teaches us something. First off, it teaches us that inhaling is a gift, right? Any of you ever had to, uh, some of you in military, my father-in-law talked about this. You had to go into a, a place where there was the, the gas and all this kind of stuff. You had your gas mask on, and then they tell you you got to take it off. And, and you got to breathe in the pepper spray or whatever it is. And he talked about it with kind of a grin on his face. I don't know why, but, you know, running out and kind of choking on the ground. <laughs> you know, as a, you realize breath is a gift. To inhale is a gift. Anything that has been given to you, breath and beyond, your jobs, your ability, all those kinds of things, it is a gift from this connection, from God in earth with other human beings. This connection is how we are to operate. Everything is gift. And to exhale shows our reliance on these gifts that only come from God. I mean, you'd think we'd learn this. I mean, how long have some of us been breathing in and out, right? I mean, 
we can't play that game so long. You can only hold your breath for so long before you have to exhale. And God has so made this so connecting in you that if you somehow managed to hold your breath until you passed out, your body would take over and you'd start breathing again. This connection is deep. It is who we are. It is who we are called to be. So why would we live anywhere, anyway else? There is nothing in your world that you cannot do that cannot be enhanced by breathing and realizing the connection that God is giving you in every day. And when you pause for just a moment in your day and you thank God for the gift just by breathing in, and you trust God by breathing out, your life begins to have those deep connections which lead to the life that Genesis 2 is talking about. So why are you holding your breath? Do you think you can do it alone? See how long you can hold it and tell me how that works out, okay? I think we have a few nurses here. Don't do it now. Whatever you do is enhanced by breathing. For some of us, it's simply hard to receive. For some reason, we think we have to earn it by ourselves. That we can't receive it as gift. And breathing in and out every day should remind us in every way that all of life is gift. We can only receive it. And all we can do is yield it back to the connections that God has given to us. And it isn't amazing, at least with the earth, we give back our carbon dioxide and the earth somehow takes it and transforms it back into what we need. Isn't that amazing? What a connection. What a connection between us. Let go today. Will you breathe again? For some of you, you need to come up out of the pool of thinking you can do all that you can for your family by yourself. And you need to receive the gift that God can give in this connection that that begins to enhance and clears our thinking and begins to give us wisdom in the ways that we can do. For some of us, we need to look at our jobs. We need to stop thinking we can do it by ourselves and let go the breath and receive from God and, and breathe out and trust that the next breath will come in all of our lives. For some of you, you're in relationships and they're just seem to be just toxic and, and not working out the way you want them to, it could be that you are trying to do it on your own. And you are submerged in a pool and you are holding your breath and it is time for you to let go of those things and begin to receive from God the only one who can give you life. So I thought today, why don't we take communion together? And this communion symbolizes some incredible, all of these connections. You're going to take a little tiny piece of bread. Guess where that bread and juice comes from? From the earth. In, In just a moment, someone is going to stand in front of your section and you're going to receive it from them. I want you to look into their eyes when they say, the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. You're receiving from that connection, human to human, from the earth. And then we believe in the church of the Nazarene that in the prayer that I'll say, God inspires the elements. 
in spirit. He, he puts his spirit into the bread and the cup. And we don't know how, but he does. And so we receive that connection. And in Christ, we receive everything that we need. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor today. It doesn't matter if you have a job or you don't. It doesn't matter if your marriage is awesome or it's, you're wondering if it's in the tank right now. It doesn't matter. What matters is these connections. And these connections, these three connections together will begin to help you in all the other connections. We have only to breathe in and out. So I'm going to invite you to come. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to this table, which is not my table, and it's not the Church of the Nazarene's table. It is your table. And you call anyone who is hungry to come and be filled. And today we need, in 2018, I need, this church needs to be reconnected. First and foremost, we need your breath, your spirit, your life to come to us and be received as gift. We need one another. We cannot fulfill your call on our life without others. And we do need the things of this beautiful earth that you have given to us. So help us to work it. Help us to help us to help it in this beautiful relationship together. And let us receive all things for what they are, gift from You. So I pray You take this bread and this cup and that You would fill it with Your Spirit. I pray that we would receive it and hear the words that Jesus said to His disciples so long ago. When on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Gift you have given to us. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Gift. Gift from you. Help us to receive it with grateful hearts. Knowing that in you, we have all that we need. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.